Well, this Easter week, uh, Christians are supposed to focus on the death and the resurrection of Jesus. But unfortunately, across the whole of Australia, many Christians are focusing on a totally different issue right now, which is the collapse of the Australian cricket team. We have seen uh, uh, the great scandal of Steve Smith and, and Darren Lehman's press interview last night as they weeped and weeped at the tragedy of the ending of their cricket career, careers, plural, um, as well as the other players that went down. And um, this whole situation is a real mess, and Australian newspapers have called it a dark day for Australian sport. And what I don't understand is why those cricketers cheated in the first place. Because cricket is a very simple affair, isn't it? You just have to... To be in the Australian cricket team, obviously you have to be an elite sportsman, but then you just have to play cricket and earn millions of dollars and be honest and represent Australia and make us feel proud. The coach, Darren Lehman, resigned, he said, not because he was involved in the cheating, but because he feels he had let the team down by allowing this culture of foolishness to develop. A culture where the vice-captain and the captain would hatch a plan and get a junior player to rub bright yellow sandpaper on a cricket ball while there were a number of umpires watching and five very expensive television cameras with really sharp lenses watching as well. It seemed pretty stupid. But it's not as if we haven't seen athletes cheat before, have we? I remember when I was in year seven, it was the 1988 Olympic Games, and all of my friends were really into the 100-metre sprint. And we were so excited when Ben Johnson, the Canadian athlete, broke the world record. We were so excited, and we wanted to be just like him. And then we find out not long after that he'd been using drugs and cheating. And we were devastated. In fact, we see it happen all the time in sport. Sports men and women cheating for various reasons. I remember, actually, when I, even when I used to play hockey, which I used to a lot when I was 13 or 14 years old, I remember the temptation that I had to cheat, and I even did it a few times, I admit. Because in hockey, there's a certain level, there's a blurry line where a little bit of cheating's okay. Well, it's actually not okay, but we allowed ourselves to cheat. And what we used to do, you know, you'd be running behind the player, and if you're feeling really angry because you were losing, I'd just stick my hockey stick in between their legs and they'd trip over, you know. And I would feel a little bit bad, but then I'd feel good that, you know, we got the ball. But occasionally you'd get caught, you know. The fact is that we're all tempted in, in stressful situations to make terrible mistakes and to do foolish things. All of us break the rules, to get our own way. All of us can be sneaky and lie. And the thing is, it's you know, one thing to talk about year eight hockey, but in life, sometimes we make really big mistakes and the consequences are huge. We cheat, we lie, we get caught, we lose our friends, we lose our job, 
We lose respect for ourselves. We might even get in trouble with the police. In fact, all human beings are, in fact, broken. We are all broken. You know, as you look at all this pile of wood here, as you look at the wood underneath your chair that you've been using earlier, riding on, you can think about your own brokenness. But this Good Friday, I want to give you hope that if you feel like you are broken right now, listen to these words from Psalm 34, verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Strangely enough, God hates to see us broken and he wants to make us right again. Whether we are brokenhearted because of mistakes we've made or brokenhearted because of mistakes other people have made towards us. God says, I live in a high and holy place, but also with a person who is contrite and lowly in spirit. Isaiah 57 verse 15. So we should have hope this Good Friday that we live and, and worship a God that cares about our brokenness. As we think about the Easter story, we just had it read out to us by Benjamin. The story of Jesus going to the cross is full of broken people. There was Pilate, who realised Jesus was probably innocent, but handed him over to be punished anyway and killed. I mean, that is complete injustice. You do not do that. There were the soldiers who mocked Jesus by dressing him up like a clown king. You know, they weren't dressing him up to look like a real king. They were, they were purposefully making him look stupid, putting on the robe and the staff and then spitting at him, hurling insults at him. They were spitting on the Son of God. These are broken people. There were the passers-by who looked at Jesus and laughed at him, challenging him to get off the cross. They didn't realise that any time Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to that spot. And yet they just foolishly hurl insults at him. Even the rebels on the crosses beside him said horrible comments to him, insulting him. Jesus, who was perfect, the only person in the whole world who's ever lived who was not broken he was surrounded by broken people broken and sinful people jesus is the only one who has ever been and whoever will be perfect one famous christian thinker karl barth said this about jesus jesus christ is not only truly god he's human like every one of us he is human without limitation he is not only similar to us, he is like us, says Karl Barth. So how is Jesus perfect, you might be thinking? Is he the strongest man to ever, ever lived? Actually, no. There were probably people with bigger muscles than Jesus. In fact, that is definitely the case. There might even be people in this room that can lift a heavier weight than Jesus. So he's not perfect in that sense. Was he the most handsome no, there are definitely people in this room who are more handsome than Jesus would have been. In fact, the Bible actually tells us that he wasn't much to look at in that sense. Was he the most perfect because he was the most rich, the wealthiest man? Did he have the most money? No. In fact, he didn't have any money much at all. 
Was he the most popular? No, probably not. He was popular with some people, but then there were other people who actually hated him. In fact, Ed Sheeran is probably a lot more popular today than Jesus was back then. You know, Taylor Swift is probably a lot more popular today than Jesus was back then. So that is not how he's perfect. It's not because he's strong or handsome or rich or popular. The Bible tells us how Jesus is the perfect human. First of all, he's the perfectly obedient to God. If you think about the Bible stories that you know, you'll know about the first Adam, who when he was in a garden, was put to the test with his obedience to God and completely failed. And the Bible calls Jesus the second Adam. But the difference with Jesus, of course, is when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, his obedience to God was put to the test and he was perfectly obedient. When When he was in Gethsemane, he realised that his obedience was going to involve going to the cross. And this was a painful test of obedience. And he was perfectly obedient. Secondly, Jesus is perfect because he always spoke the truth. Everything that he said was, was so true because it was God's words. In the Bible reading we had today from Matthew 27, we hear some of the only words Jesus speaks in the whole journey he has to the cross on that last day. Jesus stood before the governor, who tried to trick him by saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus stands before him and says, well, you have said so. What a cool answer. You have said so. Jesus isn't going to lie. And he's not going to get into a complicated theological discussion. He's made it clear that he's the king. He came in early that week on a donkey and they waved palm branches at him, making it clear who he really was. But he's more than the king of the Jews. He's the king of the whole world and the whole of heaven. Jesus never lies. Jesus is perfect in that way. He speaks the truth. And thirdly, Jesus was perfect because he demonstrated more love than any other person in history. On our camp a few weeks ago, we had... um, Uh, we had a look at the way Jesus taught that the greatest kind of love that you can show is to die for another person. And Paul the Apostle makes this important point about how Jesus' death on the cross is more profound than even that, even even what Jesus said, because Paul says this in Romans chapter 7, very rarely will anyone die for a, a righteous person, a really good person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still broken sinners, Christ died for us. So when we remember Jesus' death on Good Friday, we remember that Jesus died. Jesus is perfect because his love is perfect. So Jesus is perfect in all these amazing ways, the ways that matter. He's obedient, he's true, and he's loving. So here's the most amazing thing about Good Friday. Jesus, the only perfect person, the only true, loving, obedient to God person, became broken on the cross when he died and paid for our brokenness, our sin, our mocking, our cheating, our lying. And he did this so that we could become perfect. 
The perfect man became broken so that broken people can become perfect. It's a great... God sent his son who is without sin to be broken so that we might be healed. On the night before Jesus died, he broke the bread when they had a meal together and he said, this is my body which is broken for you. And we're going to do that a bit later when we have communion together. And he went all the way to the cross to die so that we can live. His death has made it possible for broken, sinful people to be reconciled to God and to be healed. People like you and me, people like Steve Smith, Dave Warner, Cameron Bancroft, people like Pilate, the Roman soldiers, the passers-by and the robbers, without the broken body of Jesus, we could not be made whole. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought, brought us peace was upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. It's said in that first reading from Isaiah we had. When you put your trust in Jesus and believe that he died for you, then Jesus' death pays for your sins. He, he, he heals you and he restores you. He takes your broken pieces and makes you whole again. And today God is calling you. He longs for you to come to him so that he can heal you. He is the God who cares about our brokenness. You might not be able to hear his call. It's easy for us to be distracted, our lives, our family, our work. Things get in the way. Your own problems, your own unhappiness. But in actual fact, strangely enough, being broken is a really good way to realise how much we need God. It's the best way to hunger for your deepest need, which is to be forgiven and to be reunited to him. Only then you can be made whole. Remember what Jesus said, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Perhaps this day, as you reflect on your brokenness, you can reach out to God and say thank you for Jesus.